Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today's guest is Travis Zipper, uh, who I have had on the show multiple times, and we are going to periodically bring him back on to discuss different topics. He is an instructor at the Nutritional Coaching Institute, which is a certification program that we highly recommend for any trainer or individual looking to become a certified nutrition coach. And he also runs the program called Well Fits, which is his nutrition coaching mentorship program, which we have two different coaches in uh, from our staff, and I can't say enough about it. It goes really, really deep, and it is a longer... Uh, a bigger commitment program, but for those who are very serious about this as a career, it's something you might want to look into. Travis also has a background in the clinical setting as well as the sports setting and in the general population setting. So when it comes to nutrition for fat loss, nutrition for aesthetics, nutrition for performance, or nutrition for hormones, health, and longevity, he's kind of our go-to guy. He knows quite a bit amongst all of these scenarios, which is why conversations between him and I always go so smoothly and are always so jam-packed with information because he has a wealth of knowledge, I have a wealth of experience, and us collaborating always comes out to be a really, really good educational experience. Today, we're going to talk about energy balance, calories in versus calories out, and why that might not be the whole answer to the picture. You know, a lot of people, when you look at social media and you look at different things, and I'm even guilty of it, they really just say calories in versus calories out. You ask them a question about nutrition, it's calories in versus calories out. You ask them a, uh, a question about ingredients of food or workout nutrition or timing their nutrients or anything. It's calories in versus calories out. It's always the answer. Hormonal health, calories in versus calories out. Performance, and like literally anything, it's, that's always the answer. And although it is kind of the king at the castle, it is the most important thing, this energy balance, it's not the only thing. And calories in versus calories out is not the only thing within energy balance that you should be considering. In fact, you should be really considering energy flux, which is what we're going to get into today and how maybe eating more and doing more is the answer to getting lean and living the life that you want to live in the body you want to live it in. Um, so we're going to get into that here in a second, but before we do, I want to give a quick shout out to the sponsor of today's podcast, which is the Tailored Trainer. Yes, my own coaching program. If you are somebody who is out of a gym, in a gym, in a cross gym, in a global gym, in a garage gym, in your living room, it doesn't matter. We have a program built for you and it is less than $2 a day. Yes, you can get expert programming that is periodized, done for you through an app and a portal and a community and feedback from a coach myself on your form, on the program, on everything for less than a cup of coffee a day. You can click the link in the description below. If you jump on that, you will get access to all of my training programs as well as the app that delivers those programs on a daily basis. You can change the programs as we go or you can let me guide you in how those programs should be periodized. And once again, no matter where you train, whether that's at home or in a gym, we have a program built for you. So if you want your training done for you, click the link in the description below, join the Taylor Trainer and start training with me today. And without any further ado, let's get into this conversation about energy balance and energy flux with the one and only Travis Zipper. 
All right, Travis. So today we are talking about why weight loss is so hard to maintain. Um, as you just started talking about, and I've actually said this uh, off air, you just said this, and I've said this so many times. Um, I always say America doesn't have a weight loss problem, a dieting problem. We understand diets. We, we have a plenty of diets. Uh, it's sustainability. It's actually keeping that weight off and focusing on health and so on and so forth. That's the issue. Weight regain is more of the issue than, than weight loss in the first place. Because uh, I want to say, and you might have some of the research and studies that you're going to pull out during this, but I want to say it's like 95% of people who lose weight gain it back. You know, and yeah, it's, like, it's like, uh, 85 to 90%. So okay. guys, anyone listening out there, it's uh, the, the researcher, her name's Tracy Mann, M-A-N-N. She's the one that all of her people, they did all those big studies and it was like over 31, like a systematic review on 31 studies. And that was the average they came out with. So diets, basically, you know, what we're gonna talk about today, they don't work. Yeah. And why are we still doing them? And we have to get over the idea of why they don't work and figure out another way to, to change the, the way we think as, you know, as coaches and uh, I guess health enthusiasts is a better way to say it and yeah. kind of go forward. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to get into it too, because I think this is a, uh, it, it's a, it's a hard one to explain for most people. Uh, it's a hard one to understand for most people. And I think that we might have, you know, like I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of telling people diets work better in a cyclical fashion because there are times where we need a calorie deficit. Uh, however, a calorie deficit isn't the answer, right? And like, that's kind of a, it's a blanket statement a lot of people use on social media. And I've, I'm guilty of it too. I've used it before where people are like asking questions and overcomplicating things and they'll just be like, calorie deficit. And I yeah. understand, <laughs> and it's kind of funny, but uh, there's, there's more to the, the scenario and that's what we're going to get into today. So if you want to kind of start us off from the, the baseline point of, of what you put together, uh, then we can just kind of get it rolling. Yeah, so basically, I, I always like to start with the basics and, and start really fundamental so people can kind of build uh, on top of that. Because I'm a firm believer where you have to really understand function before you can actually overcome dysfunction in the body. And so many people don't. And just look at the current situation that's going on with coronavirus right now. People just don't know how the body works. They're listening to whatever anyone says on the news, even though that person might be saying something that's crazy. So I think it's really important that people have a, a better understanding. So let's, let's think about what's fats. Okay, so fat is pretty much stored energy. Okay, it's a, it, when we, we consume more food or calories than we burn off, basically what happens is we store that. Okay, we store it in something called adipocytes, which is adi adipose tissue. You hear the word triglyceride, and you might see that in like chemical uh, blood chemistry analysis. And what is a triglyceride? Well, the name is in, in what, what it says. It's three fatty acids, hence the tri, which is held together by a glycerol backbone. Okay, so that's pretty much what fat is on the body. And if you, I don't know if you've ever seen a pound of fat, what it looks like. It's actually disgusting. It, yeah. It's big. And just, I always like the, I don't like the joke, but I imagine it's like, you know, the person that's got 200 or 300 pounds of fat on them. I just can't imagine what that looks like. Yeah. And I think they've done it. I think they've like shown it in liposuction uh, bags. It's pretty gross. But also another point that's, that's, you know, and I promise I won't go down any more rabbit holes, but this is the last one. You have to understand also the, the first law of thermodynamics, meaning that energy, it's never uh, um, created or destroyed. It's just transferred from one source to another. So if you eat something, you either store it or you burn it off. And that's where that energy equation uh, of the calories in minus calories out equals weight loss comes from. And there's a lot of issues 
with that equation. And that's what, you know, it's kind of become the centralized dogma of nutrition these days where, listen, eat more, exercise more, and you'll lose weight. And is even as much as people know that that's not how it works, that's still what most of these dieting coaches and templates, they still fall back on. Eat more, uh, eat less and, and exercise more. I'm sure you see that, right? Yeah, and it's actually funny that you, uh, as I was reviewing this, because just recently on another podcast, somebody asked a question, I brought up G-Flux, which was something people talked about a lot previously. And it's just kind of this, this conversation of energy flux and really the idea of eating more and doing more to achieve the actual look that you're after um, in a sustainable way. So I was excited to see that you put that in here because I think it's, it's a good conversation to have with people. And that's why I said before too, like deficits, it's not that they don't work. It's just that they're not, it's not the whole picture. It's not the answer. It's not something that's ongoing. It has to be a temporary cyclical thing that you implement. Um, and you have to understand why and when and how to implement that. Right, right. And uh, it's, it's basically, it's a periodized approach. So if you, you know, remember in the grand scheme of things, if you are inducing a calorie deficit, that's a stressor on the body. You can't have a stressor always being applied because the body will actually get used to that stressor and adapt. Mm -hmm. So that's why you have to have periods of, you know, deficit, maintenance, recovery. And, you know, we use, use the analogy of a sports season is the best way. You know, athletes don't, they don't play sports all year. They need to rest. They need to recover. They need to get better for the next season. That's a very simplistic way to explain it, but that's what the body needs as well. But in, in getting back to why weight loss is so hard or, or why only five to 10% of dieters are able to keep the weight off is because the body will quickly adapt when it loses a certain amount of weight and it will adapt by trying to regain that lost weight. And how does it do that? Basically, two primary means. It, it increases hunger, and then it slows down a person's basal metabolic rate. Okay, so basal metabolic rate is a large percentage of the calories that you burn each day. It's about 70%, and you don't have control over that. So this is where it always kind of makes me laugh where people are like, listen, I'm not losing any more weight. I'm just going to eat less and exercise more. Well, your body's just going to compensate by, by lowering your basal metabolic rate even more. And this is why people don't lose weight. So let's just use a, a typical number for an example. Let's just say someone's burning 2000 calories uh, and um, they're eating 1500. Okay, so they're at a 500 calorie deficit. Eventually the body's gonna lower what their body's burning to that 1500 where now they're no longer in a deficit. They've lowered their BMR to that. And what do they do? They exercise more or they eat less and now the body over time is just going to uh, compensate and lower their BMR to match that total again. And this is how people get into body fat overshooting where they continuously keep doing this and then they stop dieting and their metabolisms are so slowed down because their BMRs are at a snail's pace and they gain all this weight and, and then they can never get that weight off. So that's the important concept that you really don't want to be fighting your physiology you know, past a certain point, it's usually about five to 10% of someone's weight. When you get that point, that's when these protective mechanisms kick in. And everyone will tell you like, yeah, first 10 pounds was easy. And then after that, or, or 15 pounds, and then it got harder. Mm -hmm. And I, this is such a, you know, it's kind of a, a, a difficult concept to wrap your head around, but it's very simple. And, you know, don't keep banging your head against the wall, trying to do the same thing, looking for a different result. Yeah. Um, this is actually a 
kind of why I think, uh, you know, some of the, uh, we've put so many people through reverse diets at this point. And I, and I really think that the people who see the most positive body composition changes during a reverse diet are CrossFitters because a lot of times CrossFit is a work capacity style of training, right? Like here's your time, get as much work as you can done. And we start fueling these athletes more. And guess what? Within that time frame, they get more and more done versus somebody who's following a bodybuilding program. It's very stationary. So you're still doing the same amount of, of reps and sets. You might be able to do some more weight when you have more fuel, but your general volume doesn't change too much. Whereas a CrossFit athlete might increase their volume tremendously because they're doing so much in that window. Um, and then the other side of it is, like you said, BMR goes up, meat goes up. So you're walking and stepping and talking and moving more just naturally. Um, and we see these changes and people are like, oh, they're just hyper responders. They got lucky. And it's like, no, no, no. When they eat more, whether they realize it or not, they're doing more. And that's why they have that response to a reverse diet. Um, and and I, I think the problem with that is people stop at uh, you have to eat more to lose weight, which is very counterintuitive to what actually science says. Right. But if you strip away what's actually happening, it's like, okay, well, why did this person eat more food and lose weight? this client I have. And it's like, well, because of this energy flux that you're talking about, it's because they're doing more. You just can't figure out how to measure what they're doing, but you need to, so you can point out to them and teach them like what's really going on here. For sure. And I, it always goes back to the, the athlete equation and, you know, uh, Jason, everyone in the company that I work with, we always bring up Michael Phelps, the days when he was, you know, eating, you know, 12, 15,000 calories a day, and still, you know, ripped like Rambo, so to speak. And there's no way he was burning 15,000 calories. So, you know, they said it was, it was in a cold pool that was, that was changing things. But the athletes in the world, they're usually some of the healthiest people if they're recovering properly, and not if they're, you know, killing themselves with drugs and doing things like that. But they're also the leanest and sometimes healthiest, metabolically speaking, and they're also eating the most calories. So that's a, you know, a kind of hard thing to wrap your head around where, listen, so you need to eat more to be leaner. And yes, that's the case, but you also have to move more. You have to do more and you have to increase that, that BMR uh, a little bit up uh, or keep increasing it compared to what you were doing before when you were reducing it. So you're kind of like working with how the body responds versus working against it when you're dieting. And that's the simple reason why, you know, extended diets without, you know, periodization and breaks they don't work. And the studies are very clear on that, that total. And I think also, you know, what's going on is we're looking for a quick fix. Everyone wants the, the fast route and our reliance on technology is even worse. So we're moving even less. And listen, I'm, I'm a, the worst candidate of that. I sit in my man cave typing away all, all day. And sometimes if I don't get out and walk for an hour at lunchtime, I'll, I'll be sitting all day. And it's, uh, it's not good. And I, you know, I, I try to walk the walk that I'm um, working with clients and, and teaching coaches, but it gets hard. So I understand it. You have to be mindful of that aspect and, you know, make some changes to, to move in the right direction. Yeah. hundred um, percent. I think that's I actually had a conversation with somebody about that recently. It's like, when I say I am a coach, people automatically assume I'm highly active and it's like, I'm behind my computer most of the time nowadays. So it's like, I have to, I have reminders in my phone, get up and go walk for 10 minutes just to, just to get my steps in, go, if it's nice out, get some sun. Um, yeah. But let's, let's kind of dive into uh, energy flux a little bit deeper. I'd love for you to really kind of, uh, I know we kind of already touched on it a bit, but I think 
energy flux, G flux, this whole concept of how to accomplish that and, and why calories in versus calories out isn't always the answer. It can be pretty confusing to people, especially because most people just rely on calories in versus calories out as the answer to everything. Um, so if you could explain a little bit deeper about this, this idea of flux and what you want people to be doing and, and maybe how uh, they can implement that post-diet to not gain the weight back or actually keep losing weight, uh, so on and so forth, that would be, I think, super helpful for the audience. For sure. So let's take it one step back and let's explain how energy comes out of the body. Okay. So basically there's, there's four different categories that, um, that a person can expend energy. One is we talked about it already. It's called their basal metabolic rate. Just think that consumes about 70% of a person's calories. And those are unconscious controls, things like breathing, heart rate, nervous system, digestion. We have zero control over that. Next is what's called exercise activity thermogenesis. It's an acronym EAT, if you want to think about it. Believe it or not, that's only 10% of a person's calorie total. Now, you can change that a lot by how much time you exercise, but it's also the law of diminishing returns. Just because you exercise more doesn't mean you're actually going to burn that many more calories. So you can't necessarily increase it to 70% versus 10%. Okay, we also have what's called thermic effective uh, feeding. So think about the energy that you burn off eating food. And, oops, sorry. Um, and that is, sorry. No worries. I didn't think, uh, okay, sorry about that, pick it back up. Um, and then we also have, you know, think uh, the food that, the energy you break down through consuming food. And very, the body has very little control over that. You can add more protein and fibers. That will change it a little bit, but it's very negligible. And then the last part is NEAT, which is called non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So if you like acronyms, there's uh, BMR, there's EAT, there's TEF, and then there's NEAT. Okay, so what do we have control over the most? Well, we have control over our exercise, and we have control over NEAT. And very minimal control over how much energy we burn through what we eat. So where do we want to focus? Okay. Well, again, how many, how many people have time to, to train more than they already are during the day? It's hard enough to get in one session, uh, yeah. let alone add in more or two, unless you're like an athlete. So that's not realistic for the everyday population. So where do we go with regards to the, the last two? So we have exercise, activity, thermogenesis. We're kind of scratching that one off. And then we have thermic effective feeding and then NEAT. Okay, so those are the two areas that we really have a lot of control over. And that is the two biggest aspects of what's called a person's energy flux. Okay, so energy flux is pretty much take the uh, calories in minus calories out and flip it. Now we're all we're doing is we're saying calories burned plus calories consumed. So just think all you're doing is changing that minus sign to a plus sign. It makes all the difference in the world. So if you guys are thinking about numbers, let's just think about a person that's burning 3,000 calories and eating 3,000 calories. Okay, so there's a total flux, energy flux of 6,000 calories, where let's just say we have someone that's been dieting for a while, they might be eating 1,500 calories and burning 2,000 calories, okay, or 2,000. So or let's just make it easy. Let's just say they're at homeostasis, they're burning 2,000 and eating 2,000. That's a 2,000 calorie difference from the high flux to that lower flux state. Okay, that's basically um, those extra calories. They're kind of hardwiring the body away from those 
mechanisms that are saying, oh, ramp down uh, a person's BMR, ramp up hunger, and it's doing the exact opposite, but it's burning more of those calories because they're, the body's used to those calories coming in. So this is where it, it gets to be hmm, kind of important in terms of how much a person moves. You know, and like, I don't know, do you ever talk about like, is this a concept that you ever work with, with your coaches uh, in terms of like really maximizing or kind of explaining this concept? Absolutely. Because I think that, uh, especially for people who are two scenarios of people that come to us come to mind. One, the person who has quote unquote tried it all and is just frustrated that nothing is working. Um, or the person who has yet to try anything, but knows they need a lifestyle change. To me, most coaches, their first response is to put them in a deficit, get them to lose weight, right? Um, we have a structure in our coaching that we never put somebody into a deficit right away. Um, and a lot of times it's, it's fascinating because we call it a primer phase. And it's almost like we're getting you ready for the deficit if we're going to put you in one. We're getting you mm -hmm. ready to diet so you're in a healthier place. But uh, more often than not, you don't even need to go into a big deficit afterwards because this happens, right? You, you increase their calories. You get them to a good place. They start moving more. You give them a training program that supplements that movement. Um, they're eating healthier. So the thermic effect of food goes up naturally. And now all of a sudden, they're like, hey, I'm losing weight, but we haven't even started the progressive phase yet we're still in the primer phase and i'm like cool stay there as long as we can milk it you know so um it's definitely something we talk to our coaches about because i think it's so valuable for new new clients coming in yeah and it, it's again it's it's laying that foundation with people and it's a it's an aspect of coaching or let's say nutrition or health coaching that people really don't focus on and it should be like one of the primary things especially if someone's not moving a lot but you know I would say a lot of times, look at the people who do get in a lot of steps per day or do move a lot for work. They're very rarely the people that have big bellies or are overweight or have metabolic issues. It's because their, their flux is higher. And you know, there's one study that they did, it was pretty powerful, where it was just 177 nurses that they took. And basically they found the, the, the nurses who were more fidgeters, like literally a couple of them were like clicking pens and like clicking their, their legs they burned up to 800 calories more per day. Okay. Now, again, there was a little bit, there was also some more movement in there, but 800 calories a day for extra movement is a lot. Okay. Yeah. That's going to keep someone lean versus someone not getting that at all. I always use, when I used to work at the clinic, uh, I would always track my calories and even getting in a car and driving to the clinic and, and being sitting with patients throughout the day, just going to work, I would burn on average 300 to 400 more calories per day than what I do now working from home. And those calories add up, you know, 400 calories times seven days, that's 2,800 calories. You know, that's uh, 700 calories away from a pound, so to yeah. speak. So they, they do go, it, it, it is important. And, you know, granted, I'm not going to say it's not annoying to sit by someone that's clicking their pen. Uh, yeah. You want to drive you nuts or even watching someone like knock out their or crack their knee a million times. But that is why I believe weight loss is so hard is because we are just sitting around too much and maybe going to the gym for 45 minutes when the rest of the time we're sitting on our butts yeah. and then we're eating less. And, and what we're doing through all these efforts is we're just slowing down our basal metabolic rate when we need to be ramping it up. Cause that's definitely what our ancestors did. They moved around, they foraged for food, they had chores, they weren't, they weren't sedentary. You know, I make a joke. It's like we're the, we're the most sedentary species on the planet besides sloths anymore. Uh, maybe koala bears too. They're pretty, they're pretty lazy. But uh, overall, that, that's where it kind of needs to start. And again, it's, it's, why is this happening? Okay, 
think about evolution. You know, we were not designed to run around really skinny and lean because that did not create a, a sustainable or healthy person that could make it through the harsh winters or bring uh, life into this world. If you're a female per se, you need fat. You need fat to say, listen, the body is ready for this pregnancy so we can continue and take the pregnancy all the way to term. So when someone is lean and they lose weight, the body fights it. What does it do? Increases hunger, primarily through uh, ghrelin, raises the hunger hormone and decreases leptin. It decreases thyroid hormone production, so you're not burning as much. And it also uh, reduces thyroid conversion, which takes place in the tissues. And then it also, I don't know how they quantify this, but it, they, it reduces the amount of energy that you burn through meat, through your, your chores and, and moving around per day. So that's why it's, it's a concept that, like you said with your coaches, it should be something that's really foundational. And if someone's not doing it, that needs to be improved first versus you know, putting someone into a deficit. And there's so many people out there that are just going through this vicious cycle of, of not understanding that they're fighting their own you know, physiology, as I like to say. Yeah, and even, you know, even in the scenarios where we do need to go into a little bit of a deficit, I always encourage people to try to maintain those habits that increase need in the first place because uh, during metabolic adaptation, which is the process of your body adapting to a lower intake, essentially, uh, one of the main things that's happening to drop your BMR and, and cause this metabolic adaptation is your knee, your movement, your fidgeting, everything lowers substantially. Um, so not only is your body adapting to a lower caloric intake, you're just burning less because you're taking in less. So even in the cases where we do need to go to a deficit, I'm always the first to say, hey, like watch, you know, if you have an Apple watch, see how much you stand, see how much you step. Um, you really can't track clicking pens or blinking your eyes and fidgeting, but um, try to pay attention to those things. I know for me, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough to do a lot of video calls and interviews. So if I'm in a diet, I notice me slow down when I'm talking and I use less gestures and I'm, <laughs> so I listen better and I talk less, but um, i try to pay attention to that because I'm like, I need to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm not going down too far when I do temporarily place in the diet. And just for reference for people, like for me, I'm actually uh, in the process of, I'm in a deficit right now, but it's like such a minimal deficit. I don't even feel it. And it, it but I am cutting. That's the goal right now. But I haven't been in a deficit for over a year. It's been so long and I've just been focusing on eating more and training more and building muscle and things like that. Um, and now I'm, it's finally time for me to be like, okay, I'm going to go into a deficit for a little bit and try to cut up a little bit. Um, it's a temporary thing that's implemented in. And because it's temporary, I think it's more productive. It's, it's the repeated attempts that really screws people up and, and doesn't lead to the result they want it to lead to. For sure. And again, it, it, like you said, it's not that deficits are the enemy. It's, it's just constant dieting over time when someone's already in a lower flux state. Mm -hmm. And that's why this concept is so important. And you know, when I work with coaches, it's, it's something I hammer home with them so much is that as a coach, if you're working with clients, you need to be able to explain to them how that energy in minus energy out equation, why that doesn't work why they can't come to you and why, why you can't put them in a deficit because they're going to want an explanation and you maybe can't go through thermic effective feeding and BMR and all these, use all these big terms. You have to be able to break it down in layman's terms so that they understand it. And they're like, okay, that makes sense. And telling them that yes, repeated diets, when you, when you've been doing this over and over again, you're just, you know, digging yourself a bigger hole and, you know, to understand how it works at a, you know, a cellular level or let's just a system level is important uh, to get clients on board and get them to buy in. So 
we we've kind of we've we touched on actually quite a bit already with uh just the problems with this seco model they call it calories in calories out mm-hmm. um and we've talked a little bit about how to increase uh energy flux as far as training uh caloric intake and then obviously neat some that you can control some that you might not be able to um is there anything else we're missing that people need to understand about energy flux um yeah i think the the difference it you know, I would say that the main differences between the two are huge. So what are the benefits of, of having that higher energy flux? Think about that athlete that's eating a lot and it's training a lot. But we, for the everyday person, we want to equate that to a mixture of, of more needs and leisure activities and some exercise and eating more calories to kind of offset that uh, and offset the recovery. Well, you're going to have increased fat loss like you were talking about right now your body's primed for that deficit. So when you do actually go into a deficit, your body's like, okay, we'll actually tap into that fat. You're gonna be more what's called metabolically flexible, able to transition from burning sugar and glucose from your meals to running on stored fat. These are things that people who are sugar burners who are also eating low calories, that, that transition between the two doesn't happen. And then you know what else is gonna happen? You're gonna be uh, more satiated with your meals. You're not gonna be starving and looking for, you know, going into the refrigerator 10 times, staring at the exact same food that you've seen the 10 previous times. There's going to, you know, obviously be less hunger pains, and you're going to have overall a faster metabolism. Now, when I, when you break it down, increasing flux, like, okay, so what are the areas that you can improve? Well, yes, you can increase exercise time. We talked about that, but that's not realistic for a large majority of the population today. We can increase daily calorie intake. Sure. How do we exactly do that? We'll cover a couple of ways, which seem to be the best. And then we have to increase you know, non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, or that, that NEAT. So how can you start? Where's the best place to increase NEAT? Well, I, was, I would say even 10,000 steps a day when we're sitting on our butt all day is not enough. Okay? I put people into categories, and I try to really you know, aim for the stars and say, you know, my ultimate goal for steps is about 15,000 for, pe- for, for people per day. Now, not everyone's going to hit that, but if I give them a higher mark, at least they're striving towards something versus, you know, hitting 10,000 in the first three hours and saying, I don't got to move it anymore throughout the rest of the day. Yeah. So usually that 15,000 step goal and just be mindful of, you know, when you're on a phone call, you can go outside, you know, granted weather is going to be permitting, but just movement. Uh, I've had people use, you know, make an investment in um, under the desk uh, treadmills, under the desk bikes, little things that you can do. It's a small investment that, that pays off big time, especially if you're someone that's working at home, which a lot of people might be in the very near future. So, or you add in about two 30 to 45 minute like leisure walks throughout the day. That's usually enough to get a person's neat act to that level where they're burning an additional six, 700 calories per day, which is, is equating to that one pound uh, a week when you add up calories, a little bit more. Now, when it comes to calorie intake, what do you want to do? Well, we want to kind of kill two birds with one stone. We want to work on increasing the thermic effect of food as much as possible, even though it's kind of negligible, but that does keep a person more satiated. But we also want to add more calories. So what are the two best categories to do that? Well, one, you want to add more protein. Okay, That's going to be the, the best uh, because overall the, the, the total calories are not going to be hitting your bottom line because that has the thir- highest thermic effect of feeding, which is about 25 to 30%. And then you add in more fibrous vegetables, okay? Not starchy vegetables, things that are higher in fiber, because actually uh, the higher fiber uh, 
foods are, they have the highest thermic effect of feeding, period. So adding those two in. So if you can add those three categories, that's probably the best way for the most, you know, the average person to increase their energy flux throughout the day. So they're offsetting um, those mechanisms of ramping the, the body's BMR down or their, you know, their basic metabolic rate. Totally. Um, one thing that came to mind that I think is, uh, and, and it's, and I want to dive a little bit more into what you just said too, because I was going to ask about, um, sometimes I recommend, and, and we'll just go right into this. Sometimes I recommend obviously protein because it's the highest thermic effect food. I always recommend the fiber and I'll often lean on, and most people do this during a reverse or increase in calories, lean on carbs more than fats, um, because they're a little more thermic and they're probably going to apply more to this, this energy flux. Like you take in carbs, your body is going to use that as energy, whether it's more work and the time you have in the gym, whether it's more movement, um, so on and so forth. And I kind of find that once you hit a certain point of fats, it's not that it's, it's pointless to increase further, but you know, I try to tell people like, uh, cause they'll ask about hormones and fats help hormones. And I say, yes. And they're like, so more fats equals more testosterone. I'm like, you know, you're not going to have like astronomical levels by eating hundreds of grams of fat. Uh, so I'd rather get your fats to a place where you are healthy and sustaining that health. And then let's ramp carbs up. Cause that's probably going to apply more to the G flux theory. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah. Um, so I would say majority of the time when I'm using these classifications, I'm talking to more of the average population who's probably going to be more insulin resistant mm -hmm. versus the athlete type. Now, if someone is more of an athlete type that's, that's burning more or their, their body's ready to do so, then yeah, carbohydrates would still want to be fit in there. But someone who is sitting on their butt, they actually don't need more carbs. Okay, that's not the best way because that's going to cause more blood sugar swings. It's going to possibly cause more negatives. When it comes to increasing fats, the problem with increasing fats is it's very hard to increase the amount of fats in, in the healthy range and not get all saturated fats. Okay, so so many times, so many people think, oh, I'm going to go keto or I'm going to eat lots of fats, and they eat all these saturated fats. And too much saturated fats compared to the omega 3s and the monosaturated, that creates a pro inflammatory state in the body and it can cause some other issues with cholesterol and things like that. So it's very hard to do that when you're, you're eating, let's say 80, 90 grams of fat of olive oil and macadamia nuts and walnuts and things like that. It, yeah. People just don't do it. So what do they lean towards? They lean towards the peanut butters. They lean towards the meat. They lean towards the bacon and the butter coffees to yeah. hit their totals. And those are areas where things can be problems. And there's the whole idea of combining fats and carbs where you know, that's also going to cause an insulin surge. So sometimes that could be a negative as well that you have to keep in, t in consideration. So I would say for the general normal clients, which is like a Mrs. Jones, who's a mom, who's trying to lose weight, who, you know, is this, the stereotypical nutrition coaching client, that the, the protein and, and the fiber is where you want to increase those calories. And then yes, uh, once those are at a sufficient range, obviously you don't want a female eating 300 grams of protein, uh, then, then it will be, you know, good quality carbs, low glycemic uh, fruit and starchy vegetables and things like that. Yep. I would hundred percent agree. And I think the majority of our clients are not necessarily athletes, but they train hard, you know? So for, for us, it's, it's kind of, it's almost always, uh, it's still in that order, but it's almost always carbs versus fats. Um, but again, if, if somebody's fats are too low, that's the first thing we increase because we can't leave them down there. 
Um, but that makes a lot of sense. I think, uh, I think with, with the idea of energy flux, it's just, it's just hard for people to, it's hard for people to, un to break out of the norm, which is, is calories versus calories out. And it's hard for them. Some people crave a deficit, which is sounds so weird, but they, they almost like, you've probably had this. They like ask to be put in a deficit. They want to be in a deficit because something about a deficit equals success to them. Yet they go through this vicious cycle of <laughs> repeatedly getting back to a situation where they're asking for a deficit again because they gained weight back. Yeah. And I said, it, that's like the, the dogma of the nutrition industry. And it's so funny. I, I use that term now, but I remember the first time someone told me, I'm like, what the heck does dogma mean? <laughs> I mean, and it just, it's just like a mantra that that's said over and over again that people believe it's true, even though it doesn't really have any factual basis behind it. Or as I like to call the gym mayor, you know, the gym mayor might tell you something at the gym and because he's so assertive and he's so confident in it, you believe it, even though there's no facts behind it. Yeah. That's kind of why people are, and it's the media, it's social media influencers. And, you know, again, look at people who are taking pictures with their shirts off. They don't look like that every day of the year. Uh, that's, that's photo shoot day. And that's what people are aspiring to. So, well, and, and you know, like something I, I was, I brought up uh, the other day on a podcast was it kind of relates to this and, you know, we do have research on uh, the calories inverse calories out model, but I always ask like, number one, who are those studies done on? And number two, how long are those studies performed for? And the thing I brought up the other day was metabolic adaptation. Somebody was asking about that. And I was like, the only problem I have with the, that research is, yes, it does give us some information and it gives us some theoretical basis to kind of start kind of processing when we apply this in coaching. But the average person that I'm worried about with metabolic adaptation is not the person that's in that study. The person in that study is a middle-aged sedentary male who doesn't train and has never dieted before. And they put them in a big deficit and they just watch what happens, Right. I'm getting the person who does five days a week of CrossFit, has been trying to diet for the last three years off and on, losing, gaining, losing, gaining. She's stressed out. She has three kids. This job like doesn't sleep enough. Do a study on that person. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's, it's different. And, and I know that's kind of out of the context of uh, Flux in a, in a sense, but I think it kind of applies to the calories in versus calories out. It's not that it doesn't work and there are studies to prove it, but um, even, even great studies are still temporary. You know, they're not, they, nobody has a study on somebody in a deficit for three years and, and straight, you know, um, some, yeah. some, some of the longest studies done on uh, dieting are like the protein overfeeding studies where like people overhead fed protein for a full year. And then one was two years just to basically prove that you can't get hurt by eating too much protein, even right. though it didn't show any benefit whatsoever as well. But whatever. yeah, I mean, I guess I've, I've kind of been ragging on the calories in minus calories out it, and don't get me wrong. Let me take a step back in order to lose weight you have to burn more than you're consuming. Uh, that's the bottom line. But where does your body fall in that line of, in terms of how much you're burning is the big determining factor. And like you said, what's your typical client? Well, you have a client that's coming to you that is possibly overtraining, is stressed out, is under eating. Those are all stressors. Those are all things that are gonna actually, you know, ramp down a person's uh, basic metabolic rate when they really need more food in order to recover properly. And it's just like, it is, it's just a vicious cycle that it's very hard to break people out of. And even you can explain it in the easiest terms. So sometimes people, they just, they, they need to hit their, let's just say their rock bottom before they're finally willing to listen and say, okay, just lead me where I need to go. And sometimes that needs to happen, especially some of the, the hardcore 
you know, some of the old, uh, I would say bodybuilder prep diet people are some of the, the hardest ones to let go of, of their old diets. So they're, they're tilapia and, and asparagus and, and brown rice type of situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but those are some, also some of the people who are the worst, uh, let's say metabolic adaptation type of clients. So they need it the most. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, Okay, cool. We uh we've covered quite a bit, man. This is this is going to be really helpful for people, and I think it's it's a good take on the calorie model because it doesn't. And like you just said, I don't want people to think we're like constantly shitting on calories versus calories out. Not at all. Not it, at all. Not at all. It's just it's just understanding it better, and I think that's the the power of this podcast is understanding what it is, when it's applicable, um, and how you could potentially do something different. And and if people are interested in recomposition, for example, like I want to burn fat and build muscle a high energy flux is the best way to go train yep. more, eat more and recover more. <laughs> like you do those three things, you will get leaner and build muscle. Um, but while we're on this entire topic of energy flux, calories in versus calories out, why we gain fat, why we can't uh, keep it off. Uh, is there anything that we haven't covered that you still want to uh, bring up on the podcast? No, I just think, you know, I know, I know there's a lot of coaches that listen to this and this is a, a concept that, that is important with regards to using it as, as like a teachable moment with clients and going forward. Because just like a coach, you can't really, you know, or, or let's just say, you shouldn't be applying things to clients if you don't understand how it works or if you haven't experienced it yourself. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain diets or, or anything I, I tell the coach I work with, don't do anything, don't advise something to a client until you've done it, you've experienced it, you've gone through it. And the same kind of concept goes for explaining some of these you know, they might be deeper rooted concepts, but they're, they're pretty much, they're, they're pretty fundamental in going forward. And listen, I'm not going to say that I could have explained them all perfectly when I started either, but the best way sometimes to do it is actually speak it, like speak it to yourself in the mirror and listen to yourself. You're like, wow, did I sound like I knew what I was talking about? Or did I sound like I had no clue? Because that's how you get perfect. Or let's say how you get better at doing these things. And really kind of having yourself wrap your, wrap your head around these concepts. The more you, you repeat it, it becomes, uh, you know, fundamental in your yeah. way of thinking. Yeah. And that's exactly why you, you also have to dig into everything you hear. You know, if even this, even this idea of energy flux, like as you hear us talk about it, go do research after this, you know, like when you hear somebody talk about calories in versus calories out, go research it. When you hear somebody talk about intermittent fasting, go research it. Like there's so much information um, there's so much research and there's also so many different interpretations of everything inside the nutrition space. So the individuals who are going to be the best coaches are the ones that seek out that information constantly. And that goes for the people listening who are not coaches and you just want a better body. You should be digging in this too, because if we, if we consider like true sustainability of fat loss of a goal of a physique or anything like that, I believe it comes down to education. If you can learn what's going on in your body and how your body's going to respond and adapt, you will be able to sustain the result you achieve 10 times better than if you did not. And that's the problem with a lot of the crash diets where people actually, this 85 to 90% that regain weight. And I want to say a third of that actually gains even more than where they were at beforehand. So that that regain keeps going and they end up heavier than when they started. Yep. Um, and, it, and it comes from uneducated crash course dieting uh, with zero exit strategy after the diet is done. And, and so for everybody listening, our goal is always, and that's why we do these podcasts together. It's, it's really just to educate you so you can do this on your own better, you know, trying to build coaches. Yep. 100%. And, you know, we all, we're all learning as we go. 
and we have to learn from sources that are, you know, as I like to say, getting their hands dirty uh, out with clients and, and, and applying this stuff. So you can, you know, there's a lot of smart people out there who really have not applied what they're teaching or what they're using. It's like the, the, the business professor in the universities. They never actually run a business, but they teach how to do it. Yeah. Uh, it's not very, uh, very, very effective. Funny story. I actually, before I got into fitness and nutrition, I uh, went to school for business mm-hmm. and uh, I had my eye on the fitness program because I had just rehabbed from a knee injury and I ran into the guy that ran that program and he saw me doing something in the school gym and was kind of like, man, you should come to my class. It's called, uh, there, I have a class called functional movement. You would love it. Like it's right. you know, going over all this stuff. That kind of just blew him off. And uh, I was sitting in class and I remember raising my hand. It was business 101. Raise my hand. Yes, Cody. How many businesses have you owned? None. And I was like, so why, why are you, you teaching us how to start a business? I don't get it. Uh, and he had no answer. I literally got up and left. <laughs> and I ended up popping into that, that functional movement uh, class. And then I forged my dad's signature to change my degrees. Weeks later, I told him because I still wasn't really in shape or knew, knew much. So me changing right. my degrees to this was kind of like just a stupid move to them. Um, obviously it worked out for the better, but it's hilarious. Cause that same exact thing, like asking him that and him saying that he never ran a business, like shocked me. And I was like, I can't, I can't sit through this. This doesn't. Yeah. It's um, I mean, you can tell, you can tell when, when someone doesn't have the real world experience to answer a question, or as I like to say, it's, it's, it's always good to apply in, in the coaching sense, what worked for a client in your past mm-hmm. or what you saw results with yourself, throw yourself underneath the bus. I made this mistake or I learned this the hard way with, with, with someone else. That's how you can really tell if, if people have, have been, you know, actually applying what they're, what they're teaching or what they're trying to show you for, for a long period of time. Yeah, 100%. Um, well, cool, man. Let's wrap it up there. I think that's a, a really good way to round out this topic. Um, Nutrition Coaching Institute, wellfits.com. And then I think it's at Travis Zipper on Instagram. I'm going to link all those in the description for them to check out. Um, Wellfits is his nutrition coaching mentorship, which I have multiple coaches in, can't say enough about. Um, and the Nutrition Coaching Institute, Nutritional Coaching Institute, uh, is the certification program. If you're a coach and you want to get certified nutrition, it's the go-to spot to do it. All my coaches have the certifications, uh, most of them more than just one through them too, because you guys have an array of different certifications you can get. So go check that stuff out, guys. The links will be in the description. Uh, Travis, thank you for your time, man. No problem. Always fun. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up, or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of The Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.